Welcome to No Picks After Dark, Baltimore Sun's best podcast of 2020, voted by you, the listeners. No Picks After Dark seeks to build a community based on human experience, storytelling, and conversation. Now your host, Aaron Dante. Welcome to the No Picks at the Dark podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. Today, we have a very, very special guest on the show. I've been trying to get a hold of this person forever. She's very, very busy. I mean, she's doing so many things in Baltimore. You know, new businesses, things are popping up. She has her fingerprints all over them, you know, and it's pretty cool that, you know, somebody who lives in my area, Northeast Baltimore, is doing these amazing things. Without further ado, Miss Tiffany, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Um, you know, before we get into everything, I want to tell everybody that I know Tiffany from Syracuse University. Yeah. She went, we, we both went to Syracuse at the same time. And that, isn't that crazy? Go orange. <laughs> Go orange men. Yes. We were there. <laughs> yeah, orange men, we were there. So it's a small world. And the way I found out that she lived in my area was... My neighbor was having a grand opening, and Tiffany was one of the first people that I think showed up at her grand opening, Casey from Found Studio. And Casey was explaining to her that, oh, I have a new neighbor who moved in next beside me, and or went area and said, hey, you know, and he went to Syracuse also. And I think that's where it was kind of like a light went off, like, really? Around the same time. So it's pretty cool that, you know, you can reconnect after so many years like this. Yeah. So tell the listeners a little bit about you. Tell them about what you got going on. What, you, what do you do? Which, where are you from? Are you originally from Baltimore area? It's your show. Go ahead. So I am uh, originally from Hartford County, but I went to like a K through 12 school in Baltimore City. So Baltimore has like always felt like home to me, even though I'm also a person who grew up like in farmland and, you know, around a lot more trees. Uh, so I, I really love the city, but I also really love being in the country. Um, but I am currently, we've lived here for five years after moving kind of all up and down the East coast or pockets of the East coast. Um, you know, I was at Syracuse for undergrad and then moved to Florida. That's where I met my husband. Um, then we moved back to central New York cause he's actually from Rochester and then, <laughs> Uh, I moved to D.C. for grad school, and we lived in Silver Spring for nine years, and then we moved here. So it's just kind of been hopping around the same areas, but I'm definitely a mid-Atlantic girl. You know, I I need my four seasons, and I need the winter, but not too much. (laughs) So, um, yeah, but I have been an interior designer for about 10 years. I went to grad school, GW, and was doing residential design when I graduated um, and was doing some work on my own. And then when we moved here, I was doing some commercial design work uh, for like an office furniture company. And then I started back on my own again two years ago, and I've been doing residential renovation work, residential design work, and commercial design work. So it's been, it's been really awesome. And, you know, I've had some projects now that I feel like a lot of people have seen, which has been really exciting. That's what I said in the beginning, folks. Her face, she's all over Baltimore. I'm telling you, all the new stuff, 
every time I look on Instagram, I see a picture of every time I look, sorry, every time I look on Instagram, I always see like a picture of like something going on, like you got a new spot. Um, what was that the new cookie spot or the bakery spot? Yeah, um, I'm that. <laughs> so you 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 got it going on. You got a lot of things going on. All right. So tell us about like how do you have a passion to do interior design? I have interior architecture, you know, helping help us understand interior architecture, interior design. Um, where did that passion come from? I mean, I my back the farthest I went was doing Legos, and I was like, cool, I can build a house, <laughs> I can build my windows, but I mean that takes an art and a passion and, a, and an eye for things. How does that even happen? Well, I also had a passion for Legos as a child. Um, we would build like houses in in our class at school and um, we would do it before school started. And I was always like trying to add more things to my little houses. <laughs> um, but I think it really started for me. I didn't even know that I was interested in interior design. Like I didn't know what it was exactly, but I basically started like moving my furniture around pretty frequently and like redesigning my room. Um, you know, I think in high school, I didn't have that much furniture. Like it was just kind of like basics for my parents. Um, but when I went to college and got into like a dorm situation where it was all cinder blocks, I like couldn't live that way. And so I started creating like rooms inside of rooms and like using curtains. And, you know, obviously a lot of college kids go through that like um, phase where they're kind of like raising their beds on cinder blocks. And, you know, mm -hmm. I was like doing that, but also creating things like underneath the bed where you could like get under there and, and like actually sit. And um, it just kind of grew from there. Like every year my room would be a little more elaborate and like, Sometimes it was very like themed. Sometimes it was um, just like bare bones, but like lots of colors. So I think it's really stemmed from there. And I kind of realized that I wanted to do interiors when I was a junior at Syracuse and I was in graphic design. And so I was like, oh, well, I could just switch. It's in the art school. And they were like, well, actually, the interior designers start as freshmen. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, no, that's not for me. <laughs> so I didn't want to stay at Syracuse and, uh, and, you know, deal with the tundra anymore. So I was like, well, I'll just apply for interiors jobs, not really knowing that, like, you needed a degree for that. And then cut to probably three years later, I ended up going back to grad school because I just really loved it. And, you know, I didn't want to be graphic artist. Wow. That is a huge career change. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is. And that, I mean, so you realize it's your junior year of Syracuse. It was kind of like, what am I doing? Why am I in this major? I don't even want to do this anymore. Yeah, well... I was doing um, doing graphic arts. You know, I was I thought I was going to go work for Pixar originally um, because that's what had come out like right when I started school um, in 2000. It was like Pixar and DreamWorks were just starting to like make, I think, like a bug's life and Toy Story. Um, maybe Toy Story came out like a year before I went to college. And so I thought I was going to do that. And so I thought I could just do um i don't know if you remember for real estate they used to have those like 3d walkthroughs of houses which mm -hmm. were really 3d models they weren't you weren't like seeing the actual house um they were doing like visual mapping to create them and so i thought i could just do that 
I was like, I can take <laughs> this degree I have and just do this section of interiors. Um, and so all of my projects started to look more and more like interior design, even though it was all graphics, you know, my, my students in my classes were just making like animations of like cute dogs. And I was like, Oh no, I designed this whole house in, <laughs> in, in, you know, whatever program we were using at the time and then doing like walkthroughs of houses. I mean, I remember I have friends who were in graphic design and I never saw them. Like they right. were always we in the basement. Like, yeah. You guys were, <laughs> it was like, you guys were never around. Um, there's a guy, um, was in, I think was he graphic, he was in, he started out in graphic design at Syracuse, one of my good friends, uh, Sean McManus, and he now is the shoe designer for, oh, cool. for, for um, Under Armour. And he had like one of, those things, one of those things where he was like, I don't want to do this. And he saw everybody doing cool designs. He was like, oh, I want to do it. Luckily, he got out right at freshman year. Like he could make up. Oh, and, cause he was time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. I think. Remember, sorry. He was architect. He was architect, and then got into design. Oh wow! Because so, architect was a five years, five year program. Yes. And then I was like, wow. But that's an interesting story that you were three years in the cold tundra because few people. It was cold up there. It was so cold. You, you wanted to get out of there. Four years. You were staying. I don't know how some of those guys stayed there for five years. I was like, I'm getting out in four years. I can't be up there. Well, and you know, aside from architecture, when you're in the art school there everybody's there for only four years and so i was like my friends are leaving too so i definitely can't stay now what would you have done if you say for instance you switched over junior year did they tell you you had to do like a whole another four years of college is that what would happen? well you have to, so all the art classes are five hours so right. that's what makes it a little difficult is because you're in these studio classes so you have to go back and take all the studios that the architecture and interiors um, and industrial designers took and so I think scheduling wise, you basically end up with the freshmen. No, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so okay, we move. So we got it. We leave school. You you start hiring, looking for jobs, trying to get in that field, and it wasn't working out, probably right. Or was it? People were like, you don't have well, a degree for it, or. So I actually moved back home to Maryland, but my parents had already moved to Florida. And okay. um, they had, it's funny because they had moved to Minnesota for like a year and then they moved to Florida. And I was like, okay, that's at least a little bit better, I thought. <laughs> um, so I tried to get a job in Maryland, you know, doing the 3D walkthrough stuff. Nothing was really panning out. They said, you know, you got to come, got to come where we are now. Um, and my first job was actually working at a furniture store being the showroom designer. So like okay. setting, you know, working with the warehouse people, setting things up. It was a pretty big showroom um, in Delray Beach, Florida. And I got the job because like my parents had bought a sofa there. They were like, oh, well, you like design stuff. Why don't you go see if they have any jobs? So I ended up being the showroom designer for probably, I think it was like four or five months. And then they needed two people and they brought someone in who had done the work before. And they were like, oh, we don't actually need you anymore. <laughs> so, uh, but that's fine. You know, like it was, it was a good experience in that, like, it really taught me that I really loved design. Like I really loved working with customers. I really loved furniture. Um, I wasn't obviously doing any kind of like AutoCAD stuff uh, in the showroom, but I think it really pushed me to be like, oh, this is something I might enjoy. 
So at that point, you were like, I need to go to I need to go to grad school and take this up and whatnot. And was that another big learning curve when you went to grad school? Um, it actually wasn't. I well, it wasn't, it wasn't. So I went to GW. Their program is for non-majors. So basically it's for anybody who doesn't have a BFA, but I had a BFA. So there was a whole, there was a whole lot that I didn't actually have to go back and learn that some of my classmates were having to take extra courses in. And then, um, there was also some stuff that because I had been in graphics, I knew how to do that. None of my classmates knew how to do like use Photoshop <laughs> like, or, you know, I mean, we had to take a whole class in presentation techniques and I already knew how to do almost everything in the class. So you were like a do you were like the Adobe pro. I was the Adobe pro in the room. <laughs> oh, oh, you were, oh, oh man. So like they didn't, um, I think maybe some people started learning SketchUp in that class, but I already knew how to use SketchUp. And so I like, they kind of let me, um, for that specific class, they kind of let me do a little bit of my own thing. Cause they were like, well, you already know how to do half of this stuff. Nice. That's so, nice. Yeah. Now, out there. So I don't, I'm not familiar and please, you know, I looked up, I did some, do, a little, do a little research, but are there a lot of famous Black women out there who are interior designers right now. And then, you know, I mean, I could say like, you know, you see people on HGTV, mm -hmm. but you rarely see somebody like me or you on there. I mean, you got a couple of them, but is there anybody out there that could like, with that you would like say, oh, wow, I kind of see what they're doing. Well, so with what you said, HGTV, right? It's, <laughs> it's a totally different, number one, it's, it's people who want to be on television. <laughs> <laughs> versus like people who do everyday design work, right? right. Um, some of that is just about performance. Some of that is about like, you know, being able to basically work with no budget because there's really not a budget for a lot of those shows. Um, and I think people like the idea of being famous, right? Mm -hmm. um, but also I think, and I'm coming from like, obviously a very specific viewpoint. Like I don't watch a lot of HGTV cause I know it's not real. So like, I think, you know, there are designers I know who have actually gotten shows on HGTV. And so I think that's awesome for them. Like that's what they want to be doing. And I think they have pretty big followings at this point. Um, but I think that in terms of famous in, in the field, there's only a few people that I can even think of. Um, and that's basically because there are very few, um, there's for architecture, there's very few black women architects at all. Um, architects have to take, you know, they have to take an exam where they get accredited for, you know, and they get licensed. And um, I actually looked it up the other day because I've been trying to like share more information online. And so there's an African-American architect directory and there's only 2,325 total. Wait, wait, wait. Total. <laughs> Is that updated? Oh, yeah, so because they're, they're licensed, so they're in the directory. Um, and so only 478 of those people are women. Wow. In the country. Wow. wow. So when you're talking about like 
famous, you're not really picking from a large group. Um, and interior design, you know, is similar because you don't really, it's a field where like, it's, it's word of mouth, right? Like the whole field has been based on word of mouth. There's no licensure. So anybody can do it. Um, but you know, being in the field, you also learn that like people don't really know what you do. Right. (laughs) So, um, for interiors, you can take this test called the NCIDQ. It basically proves that you know all the codes. It helps you to work at a firm where like you have to know those things. You can sign your own drawings if you want to get permits for building. Um, but it's not required. It's not something that everyone even knows exists. And the bulk of the people doing interior design work for you know people's houses don't take it because a lot of them haven't even been to school for design. So it's a really interesting field to be in because there's a, there's a huge educational component when you actually like get a client. Cause you have to kind of teach them, well, here's what I really do. I don't just make things look pretty. So do you find it harder just as a female, a black female to have clients believe in you and believe in what you do opposed to maybe like a, a uh, white female or white male um, coming into a circle of trying to, you know, you're presenting yourself. Do you find it pretty hard to break into like, I guess the cliche or whatever may say, break the, break the glass ceiling or maybe to fit in or to get that job? I mean, how, from your experiences. So I think that, you know, we're in a really interesting time for anyone who's an entrepreneur or owns their own business or runs a business for someone else, Right how we get work is so different now than how we got work in the past. I think that Instagram, because it's such a visual medium, has totally changed the way that people, you know, find a designer. Um, Hashtags are used, which like, you know, there was no, there may not be um, some directory of designers, even though there are groups that you can join. But there's no, like, I feel like there's no one way to find a designer. So you can, like, ask a friend who did their work if they had work done. You know, you can kind of try to research it. I've gotten clients who have found me through Instagram, Um, especially since I moved to Baltimore. People are like, oh, I saw you on Instagram. That's how I knew of you. And I'm like, that is awesome. Like there are people who only know, like they don't even know my real phone number. They just have contacted me through Instagram. (laughs) Um, But I think, you know, it is, it is hard and it. And at the same time, I don't know that it's any harder. I think that the type of work that I do because I mostly do renovation design is a little bit harder to get. It's a little bit harder to get clients who are looking to actually renovate because they may not have the money to invest in the renovation. Um, And I think, again, there's that educational component of like what they think I'm going to help them with. Right. So if they just want to like find new pillows at home goods, like I'm probably not your girl, but like, (laughs) um, you know, but if you want to take a wall down or like, you know, buy a new home and there's some rooms there that aren't going to be functional for you, then like, I'm the person to talk to, um, which is, I, I think, very different. You. 
I should have found you when I got my house. It was rehabbed, and I should have. Oh yeah, so <laughs> it was already rehab when I got here. But I'm like, now you got me. You have my wheels turning, and I'm glad we're talking about this because there's a lot of people that I know who are out there looking to remodel their. So it's really cool. Now it's a really cool point you made. I really love what you just said. You said a lot of people in Baltimore found you on Instagram. Mm-hmm. That's crazy because. Most of the people that I get on the show or whatnot, I have to research Instagram. It's not even by emails. Like I'll email them, I'll call them, no response. But through Instagram, they, they answer right back, and I'm like, "This is crazy." <laughs> like you know, you know, when we went to college, it was like, you know, you got to call the person, send a letter. Right, send a letter yeah. in the mail. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. That's, that's how I was. Send a letter, thank you letter in the mail. You know, and I still do stuff like that, but. To get a hold of people, it's Instagram. Like that's weird, but I guess you got to adapt to the world, and that's pretty cool that you're getting a lot of clients that way. Yeah, I think that um, you know, before Instagram became such an important part of interior design work, I think a lot of people were already on Pinterest, which like is another site that kind of like makes you want to decorate your home or do something different. Um, and from there, like those same people who are interested in visuals are now on Instagram and they're like running businesses off of Instagram because it's such an easy way to find people and people can look through all of your past like images and see if they like what you're doing. Um, you know, I think when I started to get more followers on Instagram, people would send me messages and be like, I really love your feed. Like they were looking at like the whole, the whole thing as a collective instead of, you know, the one post I put out. And so it's, my feed is very important to me. I think a lot of people are like, oh, nobody looks at the whole feed. I'm like, but they look at my feed because they're looking at the colors that I use and they're looking at, you know, how I put the images together because that is my work. You know, like that's, that's a very important part of my work. So I always look at everybody's feed and I'm a little judgy about it. Okay, now I'm about to go check my Instagram feed. I always want it to be pretty, but that's just, you know, that's my that's my own personal thing. But you know what? You were exactly right. I um, spoke to, when I first started my podcast, same thing, kind of like you said, you know, you look at your feed, look at your feed. And I remember I had a marketing person look at my feed and she was like, it's boring. It's stale. There's nothing, there's nothing cool about what you're doing right now. You might have the best show in the whole wide world, but nobody cares about what you what's on your feed. And you can see my growth if you look at way yeah. back. And you'll be like, oh, he got some cool pictures. Wow. Like I learned how to use Adobe Spark and things oh, that cool. like. So I taught myself to learn how things because like I want things to be popping and people people we're we're visual people. Right. And your eye stays at one thing. Wow, that's pretty cool. I like what he did. Like he did what oh, okay. What, what he got going on? And I like with you, with your job, that's your job. Right. Your job has to look good. Like you have to have it where people are like, wow, she does really good work. Because you don't want anybody saying sloppy or anything like that. Like you said, and I get why you're judgmental. Now, let's go into, was it hard for you to be an entrepreneur? Like, was that, did you have entrepreneur spirit in you? Or was it something like you just got sick of working for somebody else? And it's like, I got to make, I got to do, do my own thing. Um, I didn't actually think that I wanted to work for myself. It was something that I really figured out during school. Um, you know, I was in grad school taking classes and 
my program was very focused on office interiors, which I did not want to do. Um, and I was like, okay, I have to find a designer to go work for, right? But also as an interior designer, you want to be able to find someone who you like their style or you, you know, you love their portfolio because you know that's the only type of work you're going to be doing. You know, you're going to be really following this one person's vision. And, um, and I think that in figuring that out, I basically figured out, oh, if I want to do the type of projects that I love, I might have to do them by myself. So mm -hmm. I think it was, it was kind of a default for me to, <laughs> to try to do it alone. Um, but I, I also was, I was working in another furniture store at the time and I was doing um, all of the in-home consultations. It was actually a, another student who went to school with me. We were the two interior designers in the store. And so we would go out and do people's in-home consults, help them in the store to find the pieces they needed. And we also were doing the whole store design. So I was already doing some of that design work. And by the time it was time for me to like not work at the store, I wasn't as afraid to do it on my own. That's interesting. Cause I had um, a guy from, a, I'm not gonna name the store cause I don't like you plugging stores. But when I got furniture in my house, I had this company come over. I was like, I want somebody to look at my house mm -hmm. and see how it shapes. Does this, is this couch big enough? Is it too small? Can I fit this here? Can this look good here? Should the walls be changed colors? Well, you know, well, is, is it contrasting to the, is the floor too dark? Do I need to get lighter furniture? Things that nature, I'm not, I'm gonna tell you, I don't know anything about that. I need somebody else to do that for me. <laughs> and my, you know, I'd rather pay for somebody so I can be like, all right, they messed up. Right. <laughs> but, but, but it's cause you don't want somebody coming in like, oh, he, he, he got a tacky house. No, nah, this is new. <laughs> You know, like kind of like uh, the movie um, Coming to America. He's like La Flor, like this La Floral, the floral. He had the floral shirt on. The dad had. I want my stuff being fresh. So, so. And it's a lot. Go back it's to a you. Lot of, uh, <laughs> it's a lot to look at, right? Like it's right. a lot to take in visually. There's a reason that people are designers, <laughs> right? Because not everyone has those instincts. Now I, I read in your bio, so I was looking. I was looking on your website. You know, I was you know I got to do my homework. <laughs> a so you you did a magazine. Is that something you did? Like a little you ran a little magazine thing and a small. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so you, mean, um, you got a lot of things going on. We got a lot going on. We got to explore. <laughs> explore. We got to explore. So when I graduated from uh, grad school, it was just like it is now, the depression, um, and. I was working at the furniture store. The furniture store actually went out of business. Um, I was doing some design work for one of the um, other designers who would come in the store frequently. I was actually doing like all of her uh, AutoCAD work because she didn't know how to use AutoCAD. She was just like a word of mouth decorator. Um, and she would, she didn't know how to measure for the space. Like I was doing all of the actual technical work. Um, and a friend of mine who worked in, um, she actually works in regulatory affairs. She was like, oh, they're hiring at my job for data entry. She was like, it's obviously you could do it. It's just computer typing. And, you know, it's, it's a regular job and they're taking all these temps. Do you want to come and do that part time? And I was like, sure, I can do that. So 
I went, they moved us up to full time, then they took us all on. And for five years, I had this job doing data configuration, which is basically computer programming. <laughs> um, and we were programming for um, military medical research, doing um, work with NIH and all of these medical studies around the country and, and really around the world um, for infectious disease. And that was just as exciting as it sounds for me. <laughs> so, you know, I was designing for Surface Pro 2 tablets when they first came out and, um, and like making programs for doctors to use in the field. And I was so bored. And I was like, this is a great job because it has government benefits, but like, I'm so bored. And I had been, you know, obviously I had this creative itch I had been going to all of these farmers markets and uh, makers markets because DC basically has makers markets in every neighborhood. It's not like Baltimore. Like, you know, we have the market at the JFX, we've got the 32nd street market. Now there's the market at Montebello, but like they've got like, you know, if it were here, it'd be like Towson has a market, Parkville has a market, Overly has a market, Hamilton Laurelville has a market, Morgan Park has their own market. Like they've got so many markets. They've got like market groups down there. Um, mm. And so I was always at markets and I was collecting all these business cards. Like every time I would go to a market, I would come home with a handful of business cards. And I, I started basically thinking I needed to do something with these businesses because um, actually my interior design thesis was focused on community and like how to build a self of a sense of community. Um, and I had designed, we had to take an existing building, mine was in Silver Spring, and we had to turn it into something that the neighborhood needed. So my building was a farmer's market, community garden, artist community, and um, artist residence. And so, you know, that had really stuck with me. It had only been like a year and a half. So it was still really fresh. I was still really obsessed with this idea of like knowing people where I lived. And I took it, I took all of my business cards to my friend's apartment. And I was like, I think I want to start a magazine and show all of these businesses. How do I do that? Like, help me sort these business cards out. And I left her apartment with like seven different bags of business cards and and like an idea of what I was going to do categorically with them. And I like pulled together some friends and we started this magazine and we ran it from the first issue was in the winter of 2013. And the last issue was in the spring of 2015. So we did six issues, but there were, I mean, countless creatives in the DC area who worked on it. For free, thankfully, <laughs> but like it was, that's it was so amazing. Cool. I I really loved running it. That's so cool. That that's a really cool story. Thank you, thank you for sharing that. That is so cool. Like uh, everybody, I mean, growing up, I mean, that's all we had were magazines, right? You know, I mean, I used to read Sports Illustrated all the time from from back to cover, and you know, I Sporting News. I used to read Time, Essence, and uh, Black Enterprise. You know, I read all those, so it's kind of cool to hear about a magazine. Something like touching a magazine. I don't, and I have a. It's funny. I had a guy who I spoke to early in my podcast, who used to go to Barnes and Nobles every day and read magazines, and he always wanted to be in GQ magazine. He ended up getting in GQ. Oh my gosh, that's and awesome! So, and he, he's a writer for. He's, he wrote. He writes. 
he's a freelance writer for GQ Snow. Wow. And it's pretty, it's pretty cool. That is so really cool. He's li- he lives in Baltimore. So it's pretty cool. So it's, it's, it's really cool. I love, love hearing that. I really do love hearing that. Yeah. We actually um, design digitally. So like the issues are still online. Oh, 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 okay. I'm gonna look yeah, at, we're gonna look at, can we plug? Can we plug that? Can we plug it at the end? Sure. Yeah. Can we plug it at and the end? You'll, right. you'll see a lot of Baltimore creatives in there too. Yes, I love it. I love it. Now, I, I now my old podcast I had a while back. Miss Annie Howe brought your name up. Yeah. Now, Miss Annie Howe, she's another artist um, in the Northeast Baltimore area, doing big things. Annie Howe paper cuts. Uh, you see her. Her stuff's all over Baltimore City. She was. I interviewed her earlier this year. But tell me about how did you guys connect? How did that all happen? So I have actually, as I said earlier, I think, um, known Annie for, since I started the magazine almost, because we showed some of her work in the magazine. Then we ended up having a winter market for the magazine with some of the um, creatives who whose work we had shown. Um, Annie was in the market. So I knew her from, her from that. Then... When we moved to Baltimore, I found that she lives in our neighborhood (laughs) and um, she was on, when I first moved here in 2015, there was like a call out from Main Street to, um, for people to join these committees. And so I went to the design committee, obviously I was like, that's my thing. I should do that. Um, And Annie was on the design committee, but I think she showed up like maybe the second meeting so when she showed up, I was there. I was like, I know you. And she was like, yeah, yeah, Tiffany. I was like, yes, I know you. <laughs> and it was so cool. And so um, that committee, along with the, um, along with some of the other committees that Main Street had pulled together, ended up working on the Light City project that was in our neighborhood that's down at what now will be like, an incubator space, but it's where we have our farmer's market. There used to be a huge mural there. Um, and now the mural's up behind Silver Queen Cafe, part of the murals there. Um, but I was on the Light City Committee with Annie, and we worked together on some things just one-on-one with that. And then, you know, we've obviously seen each other around the neighborhood. And she had a project come up for University of Maryland Medical Center where they're basically taking her work, her paper cuts, and making them huge. They're, um, I want to say some of them are like 14 feet high at points. Um, so they're basically like wall wallpaper, wall covering, um, where depending on the angle you're at, it's like abstracted enough. You almost feel like you're inside the paper cut scene. And so Annie actually wanted me to help her because if you're familiar with her work, you know that it's a white paper cut, you know, white paper on top of like a solid background. So Annie doesn't really do any like gradients or she doesn't make, she doesn't usually cut out of paper that's not white. So when you've seen her work on other things that have color, it's usually the person that she's working with that is like asked for that specifically. So she wanted me to come in, help her with the color that they're going to use in the backgrounds. Um, There's a lot of spaces where they needed something a little bit more like dynamic that shows movement. And Annie just felt like she was like, I know your work. I know you can do this. Plus, you can help me with the graphics element of it because she doesn't usually like put her own um, her own work into the 
graphic format they needed. You know, I helped her with scaling the images to the right size. So there was a lot of like graphic design, a lot of interior design. It was it was really awesome. So we we kind of wrapped up the project. It's it's a little bit on hold now because of construction um, and social distancing. But I did see like a sample of the prints last week, and they look they look awesome. Really excited. That's really cool. I'm excited when they do uh, open that. It's for Children's Hospital, right? Yeah, children's so it's wing? actually the um, Child and Adolescent Psychology Unit. They're getting okay. like a new wing. So I can't wait to when they, when you guys have the, the groundbreaking, when they open it up, you guys take pictures of it. I'm excited because I would love to post it on here to show you work, show you guys work and how fabulous Northeast. We have some amazing artists, talents, all around Baltimore and Northeast Baltimore. So I love I love that. I love that community effort. I like that you guys work together on that. That's really cool. Um, so, you know, it's the 21st century, you know, I mean, I heard that you work the 21st century Baltimore schools. Like, so that's the name of the 21st century schools for Baltimore. Did you help design those schools? Like a new so school? Actually at the, um, at the furniture dealership that I worked for right before I went back to designing for myself, we were one of the businesses awarded with the 21st Century Project. Basically, they're one of the companies that supplies furniture for the schools. So mm. um, I guess because of the salesperson that we were all pa paired with salespeople, um, the salesperson I was working with is the Baltimore City Schools salesperson normally. And so I was the designer tasked with meeting with Baltimore City um, to work on their furniture plans and everything. But what some, I think most people don't know is that like designing a school, number one, is super overwhelming. It is not a job <laughs> for one person. And yet there is one person tasked with that job for Baltimore city. <laughs> so there's this wonderful woman who her job was to lay out every single room for every single 21st century school. And I was, first of all, floored that she was doing it by herself. But second of all, like, if you are at all familiar with um, design software, she's using AutoCAD, but she's using the, like, original AutoCAD to do this work. Um, she was so nice. And um, so my job was basically to meet with her, pull fabrics that she would be able to choose from in the color palette for the 21st century program. Um, they're all pretty standardized. It's not by like school colors or mascots. Like they're all, they're doing them across the board. There's a couple of spaces where they'll add an additional color depending on the age group of the, the kids or like specialties within that one school. But um, I met with her I don't even know how many, probably 10 times along the course of the first school project. And um, she would send me the drawings. I would check her drawings. I would like count all the chairs and make sure that like we had this huge spreadsheet for like what fabric was going on each piece. And then, you know, I would submit that for it to actually get ordered. So wow. it wasn't... Um, it wasn't like a foreign thing to me to be stuck in spreadsheets because I had done all that computer programming work, <laughs> but it wasn't, um, it wasn't the type of design work that I had been used to doing, you know? Um, but so basically you were working on, she was working on like 
an old system. Yes. And you were working on the 2020 system. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so really it was, so basically you were probably slowed down by all this sounds, that sounds like. Pretty well, much. there were just, you know, I was, I was hand correcting all of these. And like, if you get Oof. a document of like interior work for any large building, it's like 20 pages per building. So Oof. there was just a lot to go through. Um, and I mean, I think, it was really, it was one of those experiences where I was like, this is not fun. But we worked on the first 21st century school, which was Fort Worthington. And when they opened, before they opened, actually, we got to go and see the school and like seeing that work and seeing what the kids were going to get from all of that work, like really made it, you know, it, it felt a lot more special to me once we could see it. Um, and so we worked on that school. And then the second school that we were working on was Dorothy Height. And that's the school that I think we had finished submitting all of the furniture. It was on order right around the time that like I stopped working at that company. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, um, if you could speak to any young women out there who want to do what you're doing, where's the thing that you would, you would tell them like you, as far as getting into the business, I mean, you have an amazing background with so many different unique styles and you know what would you say get into especially like you know i mean i know a lot of people who have good fashion sense good taste good taste in looking at furniture and design houses like how would what would you say to the young 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 female out there um i think i would say and I've, i have had some people reach out to me you know asking me for advice um and what i usually tell them is like if you can go to school. Um, it is one of those fields where like, the more you know, the more you can do. You, you have all of these situations where you're working with architects or contractors or, you know, your clients or developers, and you're the only person who knows your field in that room, right? You're the only person who understands the, you know, the idea behind the space, you're the only person who can execute that. No one is going to be able to do that but you. And so for me, at least, having gone to school was really important because number one, it helps me communicate with people um, in terms of like getting my ideas across. Secondly, like it really does help me when I'm in a room with a contractor and they're like, oh, we're just going to move the bulkhead of this over four inches. And I'm like, oh, wait, but that means the furniture won't fit there. Or like that means our shelving won't fit because we don't have the right dimensions. You know, like you have to really understand other people's work as well. And so for, I just think that like it's one of the fields where if you just want to make things look pretty and you just want to like, you know, pick out furniture and do curtains or something that like is surface and isn't um, part of the architecture of the space, then like you probably are cool, you know, winging it. But if you want to have an impact on the shape of the space and the way it functions, then like education is a really important component to that. That was I like that. That was that was very well very well said. I liked how you said that. Um, so we're in uncharted waters with society right now. Things are just crazy. COVID, like you mentioned earlier, and how has your industry 
how has it been affected? Um, has business slowed down for you? I mean, how are things going right now with you and your business right now? Um, I think that the biggest change for me is just in meeting people. You know, I think we are in Smaltimore and there's a lot of people who just happen to meet people, you know, whether they're out with friends or whether they're like at a coffee shop and somebody knows somebody. Um, and there's also just like people out meeting people. Let's say I met someone like you on Instagram and you want to meet in person. I think there's a lot of apprehension about meeting via Zoom or, you know, Google Meet or whatever. Um, as the first meeting, people want to see people in person and really like get a feel for them. And that's kind of hard online. But um, I think that's been like the biggest change is that I wasn't just meeting new people, but I also had met some people before. <laughs> so a lot of my work didn't necessarily stop, you know, like I'm not an essential business, but I am essential to my business. So <laughs> at the time I was doing like a whole home renovation um, in Bowie when everything kind of started to shut down, my contractors were like, we're still working. I was like, well, I guess I'm still working. So, you know, I was doing that project for probably two months in, technically three months in, because we had some like, you know, end of project work. Um, and then Whitehall Mill was opening up. So they were still doing construction. And so my clients there still needed work to be done. Um, so I think that's been what? that that's been the biggest impact on me. <laughs> Whitehall Mill. Tell tell listeners a little bit about that who aren't from Baltimore. What's going on and how did you put your fingerprints on that? So Whitehall Mill is it's an old mill building in Hamden. It's right under um, 83. And basically there's apartments above. And then in, on the first floor, they decided to create an event space. There's a full-scale restaurant. Um, and then there's like a food market. So I had a client, white tea company who like, I'm a huge tea drinker. I was very excited to be working on their project. Um, and they hired me last April to start working on their project because originally Whitehall was supposed to be open. I think last, like the end of last summer. And so in working on that project, I then also was like working with another business, Amanda Max business, because I was supposed to be working on another project for her in a different location. And then Rogan Art, which is a bakery, um, they're now based out of Columbia, but they had a, um, a storefront in Mount Washington. So not, not very far away from Hamden. They actually closed their storefront and dropped out of being in the Whitehall Mill space. And they asked me if I knew any bakers. And I was like, oh, yeah, Amanda Mack. She's awesome. And so then I ended up having two clients in the space. And they're right next to each other. That's, that, that's a great story. I, I love that. I love hearing the success. I love it. That's people. Miss Tiffany's doing, doing big things in Baltimore, folks. Big things. And I love hearing that, how that worked out for you. Now, we're going to do... A little, we're gonna switch it switch it around a little bit. Rapid fire. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. What inspires you every day? I would say my daughter. 
because she's the first person I see when I wake up. Uh, My garden. And then like, I'm really inspired by nature. So, you know, I try to look every day, be outside, even in the summer. And, uh, and just gain some like perspective and inspiration from that. Nice, nice. Um, your favorite interior designer? I have so many. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I really love the. I actually find myself really loving work that comes out of Australia. Um, and so there's a studio there called Studio Atelier, um, and they're kind of a collaborative group. But then in America. I want it it's so hard to, I like Joy Street design. And um, in DC, I really love Kianda Powell's work. She is like, uses amazing colors and I'm very enamored <laughs> with everything nice. she does. You, you know, you know, you know, everybody's going to be Googling this when they, when they hear it. I know, I should give people. like a full list somehow. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have so many. <laughs> Your favorite music group? Well, I so in college, I was super, super into music. I feel like I'm, I don't know all the new groups anymore. Yeah, I, it doesn't need to be new. It could be old school. Like I, my, my favorite group is New Edition. So it could be, well, be whatever you want. So I basically <laughs> love anything with a disco beat. So I love Daft Punk. Um, okay. I think they kind of cover many genres at this point, but I anything, anyone who's sampling them and and any like anything of theirs, you know, originally, I I love. Nice, nice, nice. Um, best crab cake in Baltimore. I would be a traitor if I didn't say Coco's. <laughs> <laughs> no, there, there was no, there was no, there was no pressure on that. There was no pressure. <laughs> best brunch meal in Baltimore. Okay, I don't. It could be anywhere. It could be, it could be anywhere. anywhere. It, it's probably in my house because I'm. I love brunch, and I'm one of those people who likes things from all different places. My favorite brunch meal is definitely like hollow French toast. Mm. So you know, topped with fruit or you know anything else, it's delicious. Nice. All right. Uh, flats or drums? For chicken drums. Rocks. Drums. Okay. I'm not a big wing person, but definitely. Oh, okay. I... <laughs> Favorite city to visit? I really love, not really love this vineyard. Um, I think it's like this beautiful, you know, island. So, and then I would have to say New York, but really specifically Brooklyn. Like, I can't seem to cross off everything on my list that I want to see there. So I have to say New York, but that's, you know, I feel like that's everybody's favorite city, right? It is. It is. What is the best advice you've ever received? I think the best advice would be that a friend of mine, when I was first starting, and I was like still very nervous about opening my own business again, um, she was like, you're talented, even if you don't think so. Everyone else, everything else will just like fall in place, and you just gotta keep working towards your goals because you can do it. I like that. Your friends are very friends. A very smart person. Very smart person. I like that. She, I mean, it was great advice because it it was like a confidence booster. You know, it wasn't. This is how you do. Like we're not in the same field, 
Um, but she was, it wasn't like she was telling me how to do what I needed to do. She was just encouraging me to continue my work. Nice. Now this is the time that it's all about you. It's been all about you the whole time, but we're going to plug your website, your Instagram page, your Facebook, your Twitter, all that social media and the old school magazine that we're going to look up. We'll look up, look up after I get off this interview. <laughs> Um, well, you can find me everywhere at Reedy Creative, which is R-E-I-D-Y. Um, you can also find me at the, uh, on Instagram as Hamilton Lauraville. Um, and then my magazine that I used to run, it's called Domicile and you can find it on my website. Nice. Nice. Is there any parting words you want to say for the folks before we get off here? Ooh, I don't know. Um, (laughs) I really love doing this interview with you, Aaron. I just wanted to say that because as someone who like doesn't see Syracuse people very often, it's so nice to like have that, have that bond of, you know, the experience. Hey, of the hey, hey. Next time, once we, I'm, I'm going to tell you this, I, I always throw a big, big Syracuse reunion party every year. I used to this year, as you know, COVID cut that out. <laughs> and, um, but right. next year, hopefully, if we have something or a cure or something going on, please, we will. you can reconnect with all the Syracuse people. And then we do a big cookout at my house or we do one in D.C. at my other friend's house. And it's just a good time and it's relaxing. So we. So next year, awesome. next year definitely going to happen. This year, we're going to uh, lay low and just uh, stay, 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 stay away from the COVID. <laughs> stay away from the COVID. But uh, again, I please right. appreciate you, Miss Tiffany, for coming on. I really, you know, your name came up on so many conversations when I spoke to people in Northeast Baltimore. And they seen your work. They love your work. They love what you're doing. And keep on doing what you're doing. We really appreciate you. And, you know, and I can't wait today. Syracuse University calls you up and say, hey, come on up here and help us design some stuff up here because you're not that far away. And I, and I appreciate you taking time out of your day. I know you're busy. So I appreciate you taking time out of your day to come on No Pixel Dark Podcast. Thanks so much. I had a great time. All right, folks. On that note, love, peace, and happiness. We out. <laughs>